Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's no big surprise. We might have overestimated how the world looks upon us. And about a week ago, I saw a piece in the Financial Times, and we're, we're about to talk about it. And they don't, you know, always include Canada and stuff. It was this whole thing about how we weren't who we thought we were. I could not believe it. So all the things, you know, if you're feeling that way and go, well, you know, we we feel that things are working and maybe we left out of this agreement and that agreement and that agreement, you're not alone. It is it is real. And maybe part of it too which is something that I have felt for so very long. As Canadians, we were really chuffed with ourselves when maybe we shouldn't have been about all this stuff. It takes work. And the reason we enjoyed and had reputations is because we worked at it. We did stuff. You know, Canada's back and we're peacekeepers. Everybody wore it around and just thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to travel to another country. They're going to hear, I'm Canadian. I'm just going to think I'm fabulous and so nice and all of that. Well, not really. We're fighting for stuff right now. We're being left out. We've got we've to take our place in this changing world. And I do not think that we're doing it. We're going to just see how that is playing out, what evidence there is out there. Jonathan Berkshire Miller joining us live, international affairs professional with expertise on security, defense, and geoeconomic issues in the Indo-Pacific. Jonathan Berkshire Miller, it's so great to have you. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to be back on. I'm really glad to have you on this topic, and it's something that has meant a lot to me. has been growing and growing, and many Canadians feeling this way. Who are we? Where are we? What's our place in the world? And then I know you were quoted in that Financial Times article, because as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, my God, other people are noticing it, saying Canada used to be kind of separated from all these geo political events. Not so now. Jonathan, it's kind of a sign, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, I mean, just a little bit of context on this uh, for your listeners as well. So, you know, the, the piece you're referring to is a piece in the Financial Times, which is a large um, UK-based publication. And the idea that Canada would figure, uh, this is their, their what they call the big read, so they put it out on the weekend. And Canada rarely ever figures on on their attention span or any of the big uh, international news media. Uh, but I think it's a sign, um, the things that have been happening lately, whether it's, of course, uh, China's interference in our in our liberal institutions, in our elections, the detaining of our, detaining of our citizens, of course, the India uh, saga that we're facing now, and more broadly, just, uh, you know, our lack of, of credit credibility on the international stage has now caught significant international attention. So I agree with you. It's um, it's a sign of the times and an unfortunate sign of the times of, of where Canada's stock is right now in the world. It really is. And it is uh, a dubious honor, maybe it's a dubious honor in a lot of ways here. <laughs> are we up for it? And also, are we who we thought we were? And that's the thing that kind of struck me. You know, all the things we're wondering is gee whiz, all the things we took for granted as all those stories, Chinese interference, Iran, India, all of this. And we wonder and say, were we? kind of full of ourselves, Jonathan. Is this a wake-up call here for Canada? 
Yeah, well, I think, Arlene, you have to go back even a little bit further. And, you know, I remember this. Uh, I'm old enough to remember anyways when I was a growing up is seeing the heritage commercials, for example, on television. And mm-hmm. you probably remember a lot of the different yeah. ones like the peach baskets and, <laughs> and all the, all the different ones. But the one I, I like to refer to on the international affairs side is, uh, is on peacekeeping. And, uh, I remember being one where, um, a Canadian peacekeeper with the United Nations was standing in between two conflicting parties and, and was sort of saying, this is the United Nations and I'm Canadian and, uh, you know, go to your uh, respective corners and don't, don't fight. And of course, both sides dutifully went back to their corners and and the conflict was resolved. And the reason I reference this is that I think this mythology that we we have about, number one, the past, about Canada being this honest broker, this middle power, this, you know, in-between state that can sort of resolve global tensions. I would argue even the 50s and the 60s and the 70s weren't like that we, we depicted them. Uh, they were much more uh, uh, difficult and and hard interests were there then, but they're definitely there now and, and an even more acute level. So I think we have to get over this sense that, number one, we are not in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, the world is shifting in some very dark ways. Uh, we see this, of course, with uh, the strategic rise of China. We see this with Russia's unjustified invasion in Ukraine. Uh, and we need to wake up. We need to wake up to the reality that uh, it, everything is not... Uh, you know, seen in rose-tinted glasses. And uh, there are a lot of countries that are out to to harm us and our interests. You know, we had the uh, the stunning announcement in the fall by the prime minister that, that there was evidence, he said, that India was involved in assassination of a Canadian citizen. And we know after the indictment, and we learned so much even last week, even more about that indictment in the United States. There were pictures of the body here in Canada tie in there. So there's validity to that. So, But then we see that America, we can just use this as a little snapshot of power and where we are are, America has India's attention, and they've launched an investigation. The Prime Minister was up for a lot of ridicule when he announced that, Jonathan. Yeah, I think a lot of it goes to, number one, of course, power status. As you mentioned, you know, the United States, uh, frankly, is much more uh, influential and important to, to, to India. I think that shows. Um, but number two, I think it goes down to the articulation of the way you you conduct yourself. So the way that the Americans conducted themselves, I would say, was very professional in this sense. They had a legal investigation that they let uh, go through the process. Um, uh, and it's pretty damning with some of the things we see in the indictment. And it's being addressed, um, you know, at public levels, but definitely at private levels. I think our approach was very different. Uh, we still have an active investigation that is not finalized, even if uh, it is, if the signs and the intelligence does look very ominous. Uh, yet the prime minister decided to go out uh, in front of parliament uh, just because a newspaper had an article, uh, you know, allegedly with uh, with a leak of this story. So I think this articulation, the way that we went about it, really, um, you know, I don't have a better way to say, it, but really pissed off the Indians. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and. This is uh, the result of it. So I think that we should rethink. It's not to say that we don't, you know, take India to task uh, if they did commit these issues, this uh, allegation. But I think we have to think about the way that we approach these things. It's true. And then we have the the vision of Xi with Trudeau and giving him a, a dressing down, saying he leaked part of a conversation. As you say, is it the way we behave or are we looking for things now where they were covered up before? 
Yeah, well, I think, I mean, there's a way that we can conduct ourselves that we, uh, you know, very fiercely protect our interests, further our interests, and values are a part of that too. Um, but we also don't look like the, you know, the condescending Simon coming in there and basically walking into the room and saying, you know, your house uh, needs a renovation. I mean, basically, you don't go into other people's houses and consistently tell them uh, what's wrong with it. It doesn't mean that you you don't challenge things that are against your interests. But I think the point I'm, I'm raising here is that we've seen this consistently, especially with this government, is a very sort of condescending lack of empathy uh, towards many countries in the world with much longer histories, uh, you know, much larger populations. Um, than Canada. So it's we have to couch that. It's not going to be a successful way to conduct ourselves internationally. And we have to find a way to um, to still uphold what we care about, but but drop the, the condescension. All right. What about the attitude for not just this government, other ones? Is this a long time coming? You know, you're quoted in the Financial Times piece that for a really long time, our country has treated foreign relations as kind of a luxury. We didn't pay any attention to. We we're always told in election campaigns, Canadians couldn't care. And that's probably true. But they're caring about what they're hearing now because they they feel our place in the world. And also our security is not what we thought it was. Yeah, I think it hits on a really good point. So, I mean, of course, the government of the day always gets the most criticism, but I mean, this has been a, a slow burner, and I think that's the best way to describe it. I mean, this has not been something that is one uh, administration's problem, I think, for several years. And, you know, the context, of course, is that we're in North America. We have one neighbor outside of the three oceans that surround us. It's the United States. And while there's challenges in that relationship, we benefit enormously economically and in security terms because of our geography. Um, but what we're realizing in the globalized world uh, with trade and with uh, security issues, uh, with the Internet and, and technology, is that we can't, you know, I think as one person referenced in this uh, Financial Times article, we don't live in a fireproof house. I mean, we don't live in this <laughs> fortress mentality where these things that happen internationally don't affect us. So what I think we really need is 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 some leadership on it, frankly. We need at the top for Canadian leaders to start talking about global issues as not as they're something that we could do or we should do, but we really must do because it affects the lives and the prosperity of Canadians just as much as it affects the lives of our of our allies. They do in other countries. They do in 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 Britain. They do in America. The president will go to the people about international affairs. Jonathan, you know, are we ready for it? Are we up for the task here, or is that luxury also something that we carry around that we don't even know what to do? Well, I think the interesting thing is, I mean, you could have went, you know, several years back, I mean, even before Russia's reinvasion of Ukraine, um, and you could have argued, not only is it not a political benefit, uh, you know, to to talk about foreign affairs or defense or security, but it's actually a risk. Um, the interesting thing that's happening, and I think you're seeing a lot of polling data supporting this, is that Canadians are not oblivious to what's happening. I mean, they, they understand the world is shifting and, and changing. There's been some interesting polls after Russia's war in Ukraine. Ukraine, that Canadians support a much more robust defense um, 
uh, you know, program in, in Canada, which is we've been laggards for several years. So I guess my point is that Canadians are getting the memo. They understand. Um, they don't need to necessarily be educated on these issues. Uh, I think this is where leadership comes in, is that an understanding of it's one thing. But as a leader, you need to guide that um, that understanding and say, look, um, you know, there's things that Canada must step up on. And that that's frankly where, where we're, we're, you know, missing right now in action is that someone needs to take the mantle and say, whether it's a, you know, primetime televised address, as you mentioned, the Americans do frequently and, and have a discussion, like a fireside chat with Canadians about what's happening in the world and why we can't uh, just sit by and, and sit on our laurels. And it's not black and white. It's gray. You need a deft hand. We have economic ties. You know, the the problem that we're having with India right now is India is seen as a solution, a way around China. But yet we're also having problems with China. And then we just saw Biden and Xi kind of make up a little bit and agree to keep together in a lot of ways. And economically, we know how important it is. So the money and trade and our economic ties is really gaining a lot of new importance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be difficult for us to engage uh, on these issues with basically a third of the world's population just saying, with China and India, uh, saying that, well, you know, sorry, we... Forget it. We have issues and problems with you. I mean, we we will need to to find ways to engage with them, um, and call out call them out when when necessary. Finally, I, I want to ask you: Are we in danger here? You know, is this? A, we just talk about a wake up call again. Is it a luxury to say we might even have a little bit of time here? The world is changing every moment. Every time we look around, all this stuff is just on fire. It's it's happening in other countries and it's spilling into our streets. It's it seems that it's again that word luxury comes up. It's not just about international politics. It's about what happens here because we have a lot of allegations of international affairs that we seen as an easy target. It affects our security. Really, yeah, that's a really good framing. I mean, I think I've heard others say that we're an easy mark. Um, and when you um, when you think about old school security and conflict, people worried about, of course, armies, you know, marching over borders, tragically, like what we're seeing with the, with Russia and Ukraine. Um, but that's, again, not the that could be a challenge. And I think Canada is much more protected in that sense because of geography and because of the United States. But the threats that we see don't respect those borders. I mean, they're as I said, they're in the cyber domain. They're in transnational repression, um, the, the weaponization of diaspora communities. I think uh, is happening a lot in Canada. We've seen that, of course, uh, in the Chinese case. We've seen that um, in the Indian case and and elsewhere in the Iranian case. Um, So we have to realize that, um, you know, we may not be interested in the world, but the world is interested in us. Um, and they find ways and vulnerabilities in our open society uh, to, 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 to widen those cracks. So I think that's why we have to see this, not in the traditional sense, not in the idea that is China going to send an armada of ships to invade Canada um, or Russia in the Arctic, um, and rather, okay, what are these non-traditional threats um, that are already here? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.